0: So we'll read responsibly. Lord's Day 10, question and answers 27 and 28. What do you understand by the providence of God? Providence is the almighty and ever-present power of God by which God upholds as with his hand heaven and earth and all creatures and so rules them that leaf and blade, rain and drought, fruitful and lean years, Food and drink, health and sickness, prosperity and poverty, all things, in fact, come to us not by chance, but by his fatherly hand. How does the knowledge of God's creation and providence help us? We can be patient in adversity, thankful in prosperity, and for the future, we can have good confidence in our faithful God and Father, that no creature will separate us from his love. For all creatures are so completely in his hand that without his will, they can neither move nor be moved. And now the reading of God's word from Psalm 135. Praise the Lord, praise the name of the Lord, praise him, you servants of the Lord, you who minister in the house of the Lord in the courts of the house of our God. Praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Sing praise to his name, for that is pleasant. For the Lord has chosen Jacob to be his own, Jacob to be his own, Israel to be his treasured possession. I know that the Lord is great, that our Lord is greater than all gods. The Lord does whatever pleases him in the heavens and on earth, in the seas and in all their depths. He makes clouds rise from the ends of the earth. He sends lightning with rain and brings out the wind from his storehouses. He struck down the firstborn of Egypt, the firstborn of men and animals. He sent his signs and wonders into your midst, Egypt, against Pharaoh and all his servants. He struck down many nations and killed mighty kings, Sihon, king of Amorites, Og, king of Bashan, and all the kings of Canaan. And he gave their land as an inheritance, an inheritance to his people, Israel. Your name, O Lord, endures forever. Your renown, O Lord, through all generations. For the Lord will vindicate his people and have compassion on his servants. The idols of the nations are silver and gold made by hands of men. They have mouths but cannot speak, eyes but they cannot see. They have ears but cannot hear, nor is their breath in their mouths. Those who make them will be like them, and so will all who trust in them. O house of Israel, Praise the Lord. O house of Aaron, praise the Lord. O house of Levi, praise the Lord. You who fear him, praise the Lord. Praise be to the Lord from Zion. To him who dwells in Jerusalem, praise the Lord. So far, the reading of God's word, may he add his blessing to it as we consider it this evening. Well, last week, if you're here with us, we considered from Psalm 23. A beloved psalm of probably all of us, how the Lord is our shepherd who lovingly guides us through all of life, and his presence is always with us to comfort us, even through the darkest valleys. And he is leading us to that table that is prepared and set before us in the presence of our enemies, the great promised inheritance for us. So tonight, as we press on with the catechism here, we zero in a little bit more, focusing in on God's fatherly care for us, how he lovingly guides us. And so the question is, is it partial guidance, God's leadership and his way of directing us through life? Is it just a verbal kind of guidance as we as parents direct our children and and direct them by our words? Is that how it is? Or is it a full guidance and full direction? Well, naturally, it is full and total. It's not as if The Lord, our shepherd, is guiding us through this dark and chaotic world over which he has little control. No, that would be terrifying. That would be scary, right? No, our shepherd is personally guiding us through this world and all that happens in it according to his perfect plan, ensuring that all things, every single thing happens according to his eternal decree that he set out before creating the world. As Psalm 135 here in verse six says, the Lord does whatever pleases him in the heavens and on earth and the seas and all their depths. And so even though as we go through life, we don't have control over what happens and what's next, the future and what it brings. And that scares us. Right. Um, Because it's out of our hands. But we realize, when we realize, rather, that we belong to our loving Father who cares for us in this way with a complete and total control over our own lives and everything that's happening around us in the future itself, then in that sense, we can rest at ease. We can move through life with great comfort, with, as the Heidelberg Catechism says, uh, in adversity, we can have patience, trusting in him, and in times of prosperity, we can be thankful, knowing that he is providing all things for us. So, providence is what we're considering tonight. Uh, Berkhoff, Louis Berkhoff, says that providence is that work of God in which he preserves all his creatures, is active in all that happens in the world, and directs all things to their appointed end. Another great theologian, Bob Inc., says it this way Providence is that act of God by which, from moment to moment, he preserves and governs all things. So as, as I believe R.C. Sproul said, there's not even a maverick molecule that exists in the universe, not one tiny thing that is outside of his control. Everything is going according to his plan. And Bovink says this term providence refers to God's activity, which is very comprehensive. And so it's one word that refers to so much of what God does is creating, making alive, renewing, seeing, observing, letting, saving, protecting, preserving, leading, teaching, ruling, working, upholding, and caring. So providence is very comprehensive in referring to God's active, ongoing uh, governance of all that happens in this world. And so I'd like us to consider just briefly tonight as we look at this psalm and how it speaks of providence to go through it and pause along the way, meditate on God's control over all things. So first we look in verses one through four and we find here, uh, praise the Lord, praise the name of the Lord, praise him, you servants of the Lord, you who minister in the house of the Lord in the courts of the house of our God, praise the Lord for the Lord is good, sing praise to his name for that is pleasant. For the Lord has chosen Jacob to be his own, Israel to be his treasured possession. Now here, in this part, we see that God is in complete control of our salvation. He is sovereign over the work of salvation from the beginning to the end. And we praise him, as the psalm says, because he himself is good. We also are to praise him because it is good for us to do so. He says here, it is pleasant for us to praise him. That means this is what we were made for. We are made for God. We are made to praise him. So it's good for us to do that. And also because in his grace, he has chosen to make us good in Christ. So he is good. It is good for us to praise him. And he has chosen to make us good in Christ. Where do we see that? Well, the Lord chose Jacob to be his own, Israel to be his treasured possession. He has chosen us to make us into his treasured possession. And we can pause and think about how God's providence, his governance of all things, it works in favor of the elect only, the elect of God. So we believe that all things work together only for the good of those who belong to God by election, adopted into his family by his choice. As Romans 8, 28 says, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. And so for whom is God working all things together for good? For For the good of those who love God, those who are called according to his purpose. And so God's providence is not working for the good of unbelievers. That means that until you come to Christ by faith, There is no promise of a better or brighter tomorrow at the end of the story of all of life. There is just wishful hopes that maybe some things will work out better in the end. But in Christ, we have this great promise that God is working all things, both the good and the bad, together for our good, which is, as Paul says there, the conformity into the image of Christ. That's the good that God is working in us, making us more like Jesus And so as we go through life, we see all the good and and the bad things that come our way in in God's providence. And a great illustration of this is a tapestry, right? So a tapestry that God is weaving together. And we see the backside of that tapestry with all the loose ends and strings of different colors dangling about. And it doesn't look all glorious and we're confused. We don't know and can't see what God is ultimately working on on the other side right? How all things will work together for good in the end. But when we arrive in glory, we will see that other side of the tapestry, and we'll see how God worked all joy and all sorrow together for the good of his chosen ones. And so we we go through life, even though we can't see how God is working all things for the good of those who love him, we trust that he is, and one day we will see that in that full reality when we come in glory with him. So we see in these first four verses that God's providence is working for the good of the elect, right? And so he's sovereign over our salvation. In the next verses, five through seven, we read this and I'll read it again. I know that the Lord is great, that our Lord is greater than all gods. The Lord does whatever pleases him. In the heavens and on earth, in the seas and all their depths, he makes clouds rise from the ends of the earth he sends lightning with the rain and brings out the wind from his storehouses and so in this passage in this part we find that god is sovereign in the orchestration of all things rain and sunshine and the movements of the stars and galaxies to the tiniest tiniest molecule that exists he's in control of all things none is like him he does whatever he pleases Why is that good news for us? That he does all that pleases him. Because he does all in love for us. Think of this. I've been meditating on this. uh, Something that I read in another book and it tied in with this. That God is not in creation nor in providence in it to gain something out of it for himself. What do I mean? Well, he literally does not need anything else outside of himself. God is self-sufficient in himself. In theological terms, he has aseity, from the Latin phrase ase, which means to be by or to himself. And it refers to the fact that God alone, God alone possesses existence of or from himself in in virtue of his own essence, and not from any other being outside of him as a cause. So in the early church, uh, Justin Martyr says this, for God alone is unoriginated and incorruptible, and it is for this reason that he is God. Everything else after him is originated and corruptible. And then we find in Exodus three fourteen where God revealed himself to Moses in the burning bush, where he said, I am that I am. And another church father, St. Hilary of Pontiers, realized in that passage, what God was revealing was his very own essential nature and the source of all of his attributes revealed in that passage. So God's essence is the very existence of his divine nature. He does not have existence, strictly speaking, Rather, he alone is existence of himself, always has been and always will be. He is that he is. For God alone, existence is a subsistence of his essence. No other creature can claim essence as a natural attribute or property to who he is. So, by comparison, everything else outside of God. For everything else, existence is a gift. The fact that you and I exist is a gift from God. And he sustains that by giving and sustaining our life. It was given, he sustains it, and it can also be taken away. But by contrast, God has everything that he needs because his existence is perfect and proper to himself. What this means is that therefore, whatever he does in love is not to gain anything because he has all that he needs, but instead to give. In, in, In that way, all that he does is motivated only by pure love each and every time. Because he has nothing to gain, he does all in love to give to us. Therefore, we can have the full confidence in his love that he is doing all things for us out of love. Whatever he pleases is all in love, not to gain from us, but to give. And so this is a great comfort that he does whatever he pleases because he does it out of love for us, to give, not to gain from us. And also we see as we move on in the passage in 8, verses 8 through 14, that there is no competing power that might thwart God in what he wants to do. He does whatever he pleases and none can stop him in that. And so we read, he struck down the firstborn of Egypt. And then he speaks of how he conquered and beat Pharaoh and his servants. And then as he led the people of Israel into the promised land, he conquered those kings and the peoples of that place in order to give the land as an inheritance to his own people there. With the great promise at the end, the Lord will vindicate his people and have compassion on his servants. And so when we think of God's providence and his government or governance of all things, as it was with Pharaoh who tried to keep God from fulfilling his will, tried to keep God from letting his people go, so too with death, so too with the devil, none nor nothing can keep God from redeeming and vindicating his people in the end. None can stop God. None can thwart him in what he pleases to do. He is sovereign in his judgment. And then in verses 15 to 21, we see that God is also sovereign in activity. When it speaks of the idols of the nations are silver and gold made by human hands. They have mouths but cannot speak, eyes but cannot see. They have ears but cannot hear, nor is there breath in their mouths. Those who make them will be like them and those who trust in them as well. And so instead we are to praise the Lord because he is not like the idols of the nations of antiquity who were idle, which is an ironic pun, but idle in the sense that they couldn't speak, they couldn't hear, they couldn't do anything, they were not active, right? He is not like a watchmaker who made the watch and just let the watch run on its own, we don't have a deistic view of God, no, our view of God is he is active and personally involved, governing all things as if, as, as if by his hand in all things, every moment, every moment, governing it according to his plan, doing whatever he pleases. So we find that God is active in all of his providential care for his people. And because of that, because he is active and in it for our good, not to gain anything out of it himself, we can go through life uh, praying and trusting in God, knowing that he is powerful and able to work all things together for our good and for his glory. And so as we considered earlier Our shepherd, he is the one who guides us through this life. And even though there's darkness and chaos in the valley set before us, those things are under God's perfect control. So he leads us through them. And we trust that he has perfect control of each and every situation going according to his perfect eternal decree. And that gives us great comfort. As the Catechism says, in times of prosperity, it reminds us to be thankful. Why? because ultimately it's God who's providing us with these rich blessings. He's the one that's giving us the strength to pursue these things, the gifts that come to us, whatever they might be. And so we ought to be thankful, trusting in him and seeing his good hand giving us all these things. But also in times of adversity, providence reminds us to be patient, knowing that God will work even the worst things that come at us in life for our good in the end. And because of that, uh, one, one last little verse uh, that, that speaks of our approach as we go through life and look into the future. Even though we don't have control, we know that God is in control. And so like the virtuous woman of Proverbs 31, we can laugh at the time to come. We can laugh at the future. Uh, why? Because we know that the times to come are in the hands of our loving father. We can laugh at what might come, trusting that God is in control and working all things together for our good. So we'll end there tonight. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for this great comfort that we have in your providence and your care for us over all things. You are in control and working them all for our good. As we sang earlier, we are safe in the arms of sovereign love and we shall remain forever there. Nor shall the rage of earth or hell make your counsel vain. Not one of all your chosen race, but shall to heaven attain. Here they will share abounding grace and there with Jesus reign. And so, Lord, we rest safe in your arms of sovereign love tonight and ask that you continue to give us greater trust in you as we look to the future. Even though it's out of our control, we trust that it's, in your perfect hands of providence. And so we ask that you give us that calmness of heart uh, to trust in you and even laugh at the future, uh, knowing that we will soon arrive in glory uh, and see the beauty of that tapestry that you have been working on uh, through redemptive history. And we will see how you've made all things work together for our good and for your glory. This we ask in Jesus' name, amen.